What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. What's up guys, welcome back to another episode. And this week what I wanna talk about is when deals go seriously bad. And uh, this is gonna be an interesting one because uh, the events that have transpired around this particular commercial building that I'm gonna talk about today, uh, I've just become aware of this, um, that it's, it's quite recent news. And what you're gonna to hear today is just, it's frankly staggering. It is, the numbers involved are just hard to get your head around. They are so huge and it really puts into perspective the potential upside and the potential downside of property investment and in particular commercial property investment. Now before we get straight into the episode, I just wanna do a quick word from our sponsor and that would be me. Uh, just very quickly want to mention the fact that my Elite Property Accelerator has this new mastermind. It's a very simple property mastermind is what I call it. We've had a flurry of activity in the last week or so. Another five or six people have signed up and they are taking advantage of the September promo that I have going, which is 50% off. And so you're going to find details down below in the show notes if you click down there. I've got the property mastermind, a link to the details and to the promo. So go and check it out. And now let's get on with the show. So I have shared with you some of the ups and downs of my own career in the last couple of years. And like many people in the industry, unlike many people in the industry, I think it's important to share both in full transparency, both the good deals and the bad deals. I mean, I've told you about the deals where I made loads and loads of money, but I've also been very, very honest and frank and transparent and told you about the deals that went absolutely pear-shaped and cost me a lot. And I think it's only fair that you hear that because otherwise, you know, what are people doing? I think they're kind of selling a false uh, dream or something like that. So, I've come across a few deals um, over the years that are really, really good. And then I've come across some of them that are really bad. And what this particular one that I'm gonna talk about, the swings involved are just absolutely incredible. And it would give you like whiplash. This, these are, I, it's funny, I asked ChatGBT to find me a joke or an amusing saying about whiplash, but all it could come up with was that the swings were so wild, it was a chiropractor's dream come true. So I don't know about AI, but I don't think it's quite there yet. Um, so enough of the tantalizing hints about this transaction. Let's get into some of the facts and some of the detail. And I'm gonna take you back about 15 years to 2007. Now this transaction that's just happened recently is, is just last week, but this story actually goes all the way back to 2007. And it goes back to a very famous, if you're in the Irish property circles, you would know this person, Liam Carroll. Now, Liam had a company uh, called Zoe Developments. I think Zoe was actually the name of his daughter. And 
he was a combination, depending on who you spoke to, he was a combination of a feared uh, investor because he took on other investors that were you know, well-heeled and he humbled them. And he did it to quite a few of the big names. He was also a renowned investor in some circles. He was a respected investor in some circles and he would have been a hated person in some circles because he was seen as the guy that built all of these apartments across Dublin that were really seen as very small and pokey and stuff like that. And so a very, very different relationship depending on who, uh, you know, his reputation would vary depending on who you were speaking to. And I do know uh, one of our past guests on this episode, uh, Robert Colloran. Robert actually worked for Liam for a couple of years and had very fond memories of Liam. So this is all important kind of context for this because it was Liam Carroll who built this building that we are talking about today. And the building is called the Beckett Building. And it is, it's a building I know quite well because it is located on East Road, which is just off of East Wall Road, which is very close to East Point. And it's, it's basically, I suppose you could say, it's about equidistant between East Point and the Docklands. And so it's in that middle area. And I know it really well because I drive past it regularly whenever I'm driving across the city at that kind of area. And uh, so it's, it's a big building. It's six stories high and it's 190,000 square feet. And that is pretty big. By Dublin standards, that's quite a big building. And at the time that Liam Carroll built it, I'm guessing, now this is a guess, but I'm guessing probably he would have estimated that it could be worth around 50 or 60 million, um, depending on who leased it at the time. But I would have imagined that's kind of the ballpark that they're talking about. But not long after he built it, the global financial crisis came along. And when it hit in 2008, it just wiped out the market. And everything went into free fall after that. And sure enough, Liam Carroll was one of the big, big casualties in that collapse of the Irish property market. Liam was declared bankrupt, despite the fact that at one stage he was listed, I think he was worth something like two billion or something like that um, during the, the boom times. And so to go from being valued at two billion to being bankrupted is, you know, that's no small feat. And a receiver stepped in and took over all of his assets. And so with these assets, you know, some people would sort of say, oh, you know, you, you, can, you can go and you can buy a bargain. But the reality is, is big, huge buildings, like 190,000 square feet, the cost of just owning a building like that without a tenant is staggering. I mean, there's commercial rates are huge, like probably uh, a couple of thousand a day in, in commercial rates, plus the cost of energy and all of that kind of stuff. You can't just shut down the building completely. There are certain things that have to be maintained. And so the building does have a cost, even if it's sitting there empty. So this building sat unoccupied, unloved, unwanted for six full years. And the, the receivers that had stepped in and took it over, like a lot of these guys, I imagine, they were basically quite desperate to get rid of it because you just, the, the amount of money that is going out, paying all of these bills and these rates and all this, it would just be so much that it would be a, like a relief to get rid of the thing. 
and so they put it up for sale in 2013. Now this is a couple of years into holding it and probably they tried to rent it, they probably tried to do various things, they weren't able to do anything with it and so along came two brothers from Galway, Luke and Brian Comer, uh, who together own a company called the Comer Group. Now these are very, very shrewd investors and I'm actually probably going to do an entire episode on them because uh, just very briefly they went from being plasterers in the UK in the 1980s to today being billionaires who are residents in Monaco and that's not bad for a couple of plasterers from Galway and so the Comers um, they're always very keen on buying a bargain and they were on a bargain hunt back around then They'd been buying up all over Europe and stuff like that and they'd built up quite a substantial nest egg and they came back to Dublin just in time to be able to buy up all of these bargains. And they went and bought this building that probably cost 30 million to buy at the time. They bought it for 5 million from the receiver. And like, remember what I said that Liam Carroll probably would have expected this thing to be worth 50 million. So 10% of the price that he was probably expecting to get for it. Now, as I mentioned, you don't just go and buy an old building, you do have to do the work on it. And a lot of the time what happens with these receivers is it's their job to manage the money flows and stuff like that. It's not their job to be uh, developers or anything like that. So they would have just sat on that building trying to rent it, but not prepared to spend money doing it up or anything like that. And so the Comers come along, they buy it for five million and they had to go and invest money in doing it up, bringing it up to a certain standard. And it's not cheap, a big building like that. They spent 30 million on doing up the building and they brought it up to a high standard of fit out, which is what's necessary in order to attract good tenants. And so along they, you know, you might say that's very high, that 30 million sounds like an awful lot of money to spend on a fit out, but actually, it's only about 150 euro a foot, which is actually, it probably wouldn't get very far today with that amount of money. Um, so it actually sounds like reasonable price. Now, why invest so much? Well, because as soon as you make a building of that standard, it starts to attract the bigger companies. And the big company in the market at the time was who else but Facebook, also known as Meta. And they were in need of space. They had already bought up a, or they had already leased up a lot of different buildings in the Docklands area. And they entered into a 15 year lease in 2017. And their annual rent that they signed up to was 4.5 million. Now, that sounds like a lot, but actually on a 190,000 square foot office, that breaks down to around 23 euro a foot which is, is, is not a huge price. Like in the Docklands, there's buildings renting for 50 and 60. So this is about half price of what, what those buildings would be getting. And like all of these leases, Facebook, Meta, they will always insist on having a break in there as well. So what they've got is they have a 15 year lease that will expire in 2032, but there's also a break in 2027, which is only three years really at this stage. And so that would make this um, something of a, you know, at, when you've got, you know, three years left, there's, there's not much time left. 
But at the time that you sign the lease like that, you've got 10 years until term certain. And so 10 years of guaranteed income is valuable in the eyes of investors. But as that shrinks, it gets less and less. And so as I've done in the past myself, and as I've advised on this podcast multiple times, whenever you buy in a location that is, we'll say edgy, not like this is between East Point and the Docklands. It is not an established office area. It is not an established, it's not a prime location, let's just say. And if it's not a prime location, and if it's unlikely to develop into a prime location, well then there is kind of a, a limit on the amount of money that you can make. And so the time, when you sign in a lease like that, you've got 10 years to go, put it on the market straight away. And that is sure enough what the Comers did. They put it on the market and of course sentiment was pretty good. It was 2018 and in 2018 everyone was flying high. The world was doing well. Um, I think probably crypto was doing well. Everything was doing well and as the, as, you know, the old saying, the Comers, they were not going to go broke taking a profit. And so they put this building up for sale and after spending 30 million on a building that they paid 5 million for and renting it to Facebook, they're now putting it on the market as an investment property. It went from being a liability that no one wanted to being now an investment property with 10 years of certain income. And when you get a big global name like Facebook signing a lease, what it means is that you have got a global interest from global in investors. And so uh, they are always out there looking for trophy assets, as they call them. Now, this would not be considered a trophy asset, but it would be a trophy asset name or it would be a trophy tenant, we'll say. And this was no different. And so after a lot of bidding, I don't know exactly how the bidding went, but along came a Korean a fund controlled by a Korean bank. The bank is called Kuk Min Bank. And they paid, and this is the bit that you guys are just going to be blown away by. They paid 101 million euro, uh, which netted the Comer brothers 77 million profit for their 35 million investment and seven year hold period. So 11 million a year profit for seven years. And don't forget, they put in 35, so 77. They got their money back and they doubled their, you know, basically they got their money back 3x. And so fast forward to 2023. And as we know, interest rates have been on the rise. And when interest rates are on the rise, as I've said here before, investment uh, rates tend to fall or investment values tend to fall. And there is a direct correlation between them. So when interest rates were zero, yields were as low as you can go. And a low yield translates to a high value building. And so this is exactly what happened. Now that rates are on the rise again, suddenly the values are starting to fall. So in February of this year, Cook Min Bank instructed their agents, CBRE, to go and put the building on the market for sale to prepare for a sale, a disposal. And despite the fact that they paid 101 million euro, the building was already downvalued to 80 million. 
So they were looking at a 21 million haircut, uh, despite, you know, despite the fact that they paid 101 million, they had to look at a, at a basically a 5% or a 20% fall in value. Now, you would think that that sounds terrible, but I guess in their eyes, what they were looking at was they had earned, they had held the building for five years. And in that five year period, they had received rent. So they had received about 22 and a half million of rent during that period of time. And so uh, as far as they're concerned, when you add the rent and the 80 million, you get around 102 million. And so maybe they're sort of saying at least we're, we're breaking even. Uh, don't forget, they would have had to pay a lot of legal fees and a lot of agents fees and stuff like that. So probably they barely broke even at all. I would say that there was nothing left if they sold it at 80 million. But that's the rub here. They did not manage to sell it at 80 million. In fact, what they managed to do was attract bids of just 50 million. And so at 50 million, they failed to sell the property. They just decided that, nope, we're not accepting 50 million. We paid 101, we're not taking a 50% haircut. And so that's their right, you know, let them do that. But when I say that's their right, it's not necessarily how their lender feels about it. And so what happened next? Now, these are very complicated transactions. The, even though it's a Korean bank, it's a Korean bank run fund and the fund would be filled with investors and the investors would be expecting this to be a leveraged deal, just like a lot of property deals. And so what they would have done is went off and looked for uh, the best Euro loan that they could get at the time. And what well, it was provided by a German company, a German lender called Haleba. And so Haleba gave a big loan to this fund controlled by a Korean bank. And they would have had certain strings and you know, conditions attached to that. And that's, those strings would have said that if the value falls below a certain amount, you know, it's game over. And sure enough, that is what happened because just last week, so today is the, the week of the 19th of September. On the 12th of September, uh, a receiver was appointed to the company that owns that building. So the Beckett building is back in the hands of a receiver. Now, think about this. In 2007, it was built. The guy went bankrupt and it was taken over by a receiver. Uh, the receiver sold it in 2011 for 5 million. The guys that bought it for 5 million invested 30 million and in 2018 sold it for 101 million, making a 77 million profit. And then they sold it to the guys and the guys held it for five years, put it on the market with a 20 million haircut, only attracted bids of 50 million, so a 50 million haircut. And when they refused to take that, their lender stepped in and took the ball back, back from them. And basically it is now back in the hands of a receiver. The receiver is Grant Thornton. I'd actually be interested to know, is it the same receiver that had it? So in the swing of 12 years, it's gone from receiver back to receiver. But somebody in the middle of all that made 77 million profit. So the moral of the story, guys, is be careful out there. And if you want to learn how to avoid those kind of investment mistakes and how to focus on getting the big successes, then maybe you should go and check out my courses and programs. Guys, I hope you found this one valuable. 
I will see you again next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group that is called Behind the Facade Community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. You can stay up to date with all of my content and the various projects I'm working on over on my website, GavinJGallagher.com. And while you're there, please do add your name to the Join My Tribe thing over on the right-hand side. This will ensure you're kept up to date via my weekly newsletter. All of these links are in the show notes below. That's all for now. I will see you guys in the next episode.